Welcome to another episode of It's Worth Living. Once again, we want to thank everybody for listening because as we always say, without you, this podcast would not have existed. And we have um, a number of listeners now, right now who's waiting for us to talk about some of these important topics. And the first episode of this month of March, talking about managing your health, which is our uh, our topic for this month. We want to welcome our guest, Kirsten August, who is a nurse practitioner, and she's going to tell us a little bit more about herself. But we're going to focus on a little more top. Uh, we're going to focus a little more on stroke, stroke victims, and you know some of the ways to uh, to to avoid uh, stroke, but. Before we get deep into it, let's talk, let's ask Kirsten. Can you please uh, introduce yourself and tell the audience who you are and what you do? Hi, my name is Kirsten August. Um, I've been a nurse practitioner for a while. Uh, my specialty is in stroke. I work in the hospital, and um, we usually respond to all the stroke alerts that comes in the hospital, either people coming from home or the community coming from a nursing home or people who are already in the hospital for other stuff and um, develop stroke symptoms while in the hospital. So we usually respond to those emergencies and we usually treat them in the hospital and we follow up with them in clinic in about two to four weeks and see how they're doing. That's how we care for them usually. You, you've always enjoyed being a nurse from what I can tell. What exactly pushed you towards that field? Um, the cliche answer basically is because I like to help people. I know that's what everybody says, but I actually really enjoy, I get fulfillment from seeing people get better. Um, I remember when I was in high school trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, my dad is like, you should go into nursing. I think you'll be a great nurse. And I was like, no, I don't think so. So I went and did something completely different. I finally um, circled back and went into nursing and I truly, truly enjoy it. You know, the, the schooling and the process of becoming a nurse is very, um, it's, it's not the easiest, it's very difficult, but um, it was worth it and I would do it again. I wish I actually did it the first time when my dad encouraged me to go to go into that field. But um, I, did, I was a nurse at bedside for a very long time and I definitely enjoy working, you know, in direct contact with the patients. I enjoy seeing them coming in with something that's fixable and helping them, helping them get better and sending them home and seeing the joy in their faces and seeing the happiness it brings to their family to know that you were able to help them and help them get better. That really brings me joy and fulfillment. It makes me feel as though what I'm doing, well, it makes me feel as though what I'm doing is meaningful. Like I have a purpose. Being a nurse practitioner is, I still, being a nurse practitioner working with stroke victims in the hospital, I do still have that one-on-one -on -one, hands-on interaction with the patients but at a different level now I work closely with the um with the doctors okay awesome awesome one of the key things you said Kirsten again thank you for joining us um, on this episode you said meaningful and purpose and finding your purpose and oftentimes many people in different fields or even in the career in, in careers they don't necessarily um, go in it for purpose, but they go in it because it's like, well, this is what my mom said, this is what other people said. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you find, you know, a purpose, it makes it easier to go to jerk to, to work. And it doesn't feel like a job. Like you said, it's just, it's, 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 it's purposeful and you have 
the reason why you're doing it, of course, is to serve and to see um, um, growth. And you, you want to see success in um, um, all the patients that you serve. Um, one of the questions that I have for you, um, and I don't know if you see this um, as a nurse practitioner much, but um, we're seeing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but at one point it was many senior citizens that would get strokes, but now um, over the last decade or so, we're noticing that many younger people, their 30s, their 40s, mm -hmm. they're now um, stroke victims. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts on, I know it's, it might be a broad question, it might be a, a, a difficult question, but in your field, have you seen that? And what have you seen may have been the cause somewhat, or what may be the cause of so many younger people um, um, having these occurrences with strokes? Okay. So like you said, back in the days, we, we start seeing an increase in stroke the older you are, like 55 to 85, even 60. That's when you really start saying, okay, this person is 60 year old. That's one risk factor. That's a risk factor that we cannot change for strokes. Um, but they are younger people having strokes. Mm -hmm. One thing that I do see in the hospital a lot of um, people who've had COVID comes in with stroke at a younger age. And although COVID have been here for a little while now in the, you know, in medicine, it's it's very new still for us in medicine. Okay. There's a lot we know about it and there's a lot we all, we're not going to know about it um, mm -hmm. until a very, very long time. So one of the things that COVID does, it causes people to um, have what they call hypercoagulability, which is it makes your blood thicker. So sometimes if your blood is thicker, you can have strokes because you, you're more likely to form blood clots. And that's the most stroke that we have are a result from blood clots. Okay, 80, 80, 80 to 87% of strokes are called ischemic strokes, which is the result of a clot that either travels somewhere from somewhere in the... Um, in the body and ended up in the brain or narrowing of the blood vessels that prevent blood flow and cut circulation and um, prevent the um, brain from getting oxygen. So if you're more prone to having blood clots for whatever reason, and COVID has been one of these reasons, um, you're likely to have stroke at a younger age. Wow. So you touched on COVID. So, you, so you've seen the numbers a bit increased since COVID? In your it's it's very difficult for me to really quantify it because of course it's not the only risk factors mm -hmm. um but i haven't done any study myself to say okay well you know mm -hmm. out of 100 people who comes in with stroke 20 of them had covid and we can mm -hmm. directly um correlate that to covid i cannot say that because i haven't done any studies myself or haven't um really read any of the uh, newer studies that are out there but i know it is a risk factor i cannot attribute it only to covid but i know it's a risk factor gotcha gotcha um I, this question might be a bit gratuitous because it's a it's very similar to what he's saying mm -hmm. uh what he asked and because you you mentioned that uh you know, because of, you know, COVID may have caused their um, their their blood to be thickened, so that may have caused stroke. But is there anything anybody can, let's say they don't have any history of COVID, 
people who are very curious and they have uh, their family members have had strokes. Is there anything they can do to keep themselves on the side of, you know, a, a little safer from having stroke? Because I know family history makes a difference when, oh, yeah. it, when it comes to, you know, and especially if you keep in the same lifestyle, there's mm -hmm. a good chance you might find you might have some the same thing they may have had. Is there anything they can do when it comes to stroke to avoid have, uh, suffering the same fate as far as uh, as far as this goes? Absolutely. So we have we have some we have risk factors for strokes, right? Some of these risk factors are modifiable risk factors. These are things that you can do something about to change and improve your um, or reduce your risk from having strokes. And um, some of these are non-modifiable. There's nothing you can do about it. You just they, they're just there. You just have to um, deal with them. And um, one of the big risk factors is age, okay? 55 and older, that's just one risk that you cannot do anything about because we can just stop. We can stop the way we look, but we cannot, chronologically, we cannot stop our aging. Uh, gender, um, men have a higher risk for stroke and young and middle age than women do. However, women die more from strokes. We don't really know exactly why, maybe because women live longer than men. And usually when they have their stroke, it's usually at a later age, they're older and they're more um, frail or more at a higher risk to die from complication of the strokes. And you have race. Um, these are things that we cannot change, right? Non-modifiable risk factors. You have race people from certain ethnic groups, such as um, African-Americans, um, Hispanics, we are more likely, we, are, we have a higher risk um, to have strokes than um, other ethnic groups. Um, some of these causes, it could be socioeconomic, it could be um, health literacy, it could be that we're more prone to having some of the risk factors such as um, high, um, high blood pressure is more um, frequent in you know, our ethnic group. Um, but I don't really know all the risk factors that predisposes us from, you know, to, to be at a higher risk for stroke than um, other ethnic groups. Um, there's also, well, these are the, the big ones, age, gender, race. These are the big ones that we cannot do anything about. And um, family history, right? You don't choose the family that you're born into. So if you come from a family where everybody has strokes, that's your genetics, that's what you have to deal with. Um, but you do have stuff that you can change. And the biggest thing is high blood pressure, okay? If you have high blood pressure or if all your family members have, have high blood pressure, you need to keep checking your blood pressure regularly. You, can, you need to keep going to your doctors regularly to make sure that your blood pressure is under control. Um, diabetes. If you have poor nutrition or if you have family history of diabetes and you don't really take care of yourself, um, it's going to put you at risk for um, stroke. If you have high cholesterol, if you don't exercise, if you're if you live a very sedentary lifestyle, you uh, couch potato or you don't take care of yourself properly, um, that's going to be a risk factor. Obesity actually increases your and I don't have the exact um, studies to quote from, but it increases your risk for having stroke like three times. So that also, um, as Edson asked earlier, if there's a re if there's a reason why we see more younger people with stroke, that could also be uh, a risk factor that contributes to people having stroke at a younger age, obesity, because obesity leads to 
all the other risk factors, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, and basically it's like a perfect little package for you to stroke out. Um, mm -hmm. And smoking. The nicotine in um, cigarettes um, causes your blood vessel to constrict and narrow. And when those blood vessels get really tight, then you cannot get any circulation to where they need to go. So that also put you at risk for um, stroke. So what you, can you do at home? Eat well. We recommend a Mediterranean diet, which um, is very high in legumes, um, nuts, um, fish, very minimal red meat. Um, if you're a vegan, there's also a modified Mediterranean diet too, where you can substitute those protein that you can get in fish or meat with um, you know, plant-based um, protein like soy or chia seeds or tofu or any of the other um, substitution there out there um, for the vegan diet. So food is life. Mm -hmm. There's a saying that says you are what you eat. I don't think it's literal, but whatever you put in into your body is the life that you're going to have. If you put poor quality food, high processed food, a lot of fat, um, unhealthy fat, if, if you put trash into your body, you're going to get trash out and that comes out in the form of um, all the risk factors for stroke and eventually stroke. That's interesting you're saying that because one of the questions I had to basically answer it there because uh, I know a lot of people think, okay, having a stroke is unexpected, even especially if they don't have it in their family. But basically what you're saying is that if you know you eat uh, unhealthy, the you know there's it won't it shouldn't be a surprise if you got stroke. If Absolutely you, not. If if you promote uh like like Lizzo, uh, what's name? <laughs> the 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 singer. If you promote uh okay yeah being a being a big girl is a good thing. Not necessarily there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the thing is when you're promoting the idea okay yeah you know it's okay instead of actually trying to get yourself in in a good shape, you basically promoting a whole uh, generation of people who probably going to have stroke later on. Obesity is not healthy. Okay. I think if I've, I've traveled around the world, we are the America, we have the most, we have a very high population of um, obese people and that has significantly impact our health collectively. And, um, I love Lizzo. I love that she has the confidence that she has. Um, I don't. I don't want to promote unhealthy habits. She, I do think she is. I if she feels that she is beautiful, then I agree with her. She is beautiful because beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. If she's beholding herself and she believes that she's beautiful, then I agree with her. Um, but um, would I myself? you know, eat to the point of reaching that, you know, that weight, I would not because that, that's not what I'm used to. Um, we have to also remember eating is not the only contributing factor for obesity, right? Mm -hmm. It is a big part of it. But a lot of time people have eating disorders that they're not necessarily able to handle by themselves without um, medical help. Um, it's, it's a mental health disorder when it's the same as when somebody is the same as, um, bulimia or anorexia, when people don't eat or eat and vomit their food so they can be skinny, so they can fit into this societal mode of, 
mold of being skinny is pretty, um, well, which is mainly European um, view of beauty. But, um, you know, there, there's eating disorders doesn't necessarily mean it's just, you know, being big, it can be being skinny, it can be all type of stuff. But um, we have to think too, a lot of time, you know, these people who are, you know, morbidly obese, sometimes, yes, they can help, they can um, manage that by themselves, but sometimes it could be, you know, some underlying issue that's causing them to eat to the point where they cannot control themselves and get um, to that um, point. But we do need to remind, you know, everybody, because, you know, sometimes I've seen people who are very fit, who eat well, who do all these things that they're supposed to do, but still have high cholesterol because genetically they're predisposed to have high cholesterol, right? All the all their family members have um, high cholesterol. So it's it's not just about obesity, it's not just about eating, but I would not in any way, shape or form um, promote right, obesity, okay. but whether somebody think they're beautiful, beautiful comes in all shapes and size. So, but healthy, no, we're not, we're not questioning her beauty at all. And I, I remember Monique uh, had the same view until, you know, she she got sick and her doctor said, you have to go down. And mm-hmm. so she, you know, so the thing is, it's just really to let the audience know, it's not really about, okay, how big you are. It's just unhealthy behaviors like this that tend to lead to these type of illnesses, especially strokes, since that's our main topic today. Absolutely. Um, obesity, actually, I don't know if I said that, or I don't remember if I said that already, but it increases your risk for stroke like three times. One, one of the youngest person I've seen with a stroke in her 20s, she was morbidly obese. So mm-hmm. could that have contributed? I think so. Yeah. Because we could, when when we looked at when we looked for all the possible other etiology of a stroke, we couldn't really find anything. And there there's a category of stroke called cryptogenic stroke where you never know what causes your stroke. But when you're looking at somebody and they're morbidly obese, and you know they can't sleep at night because they have sleep apnea because of all the extra weight, and it's just it's a good recipe for stroke. Obesity is yes. So I have a personal question to ask. Um, so my mother's significant other going on two years. Mm-hmm. He's over the age of seventy. Um, he had a stroke, mm-hmm. and um, for the most part, his left side is um, uh, what's the way I can use it's paralyzed. Uh, paralyzed. Thank you. Paralyzed. Um, and of course, we have someone that comes to the house to help, mm-hmm. but the recovery is the success. Still, it's the recovery. Is, it's 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 taking time you know yes. I've, I've i've known um another family where i think the husband was in his 50s mm-hmm. he had a stroke but the recovery i mean she worked with him and eventually and he he's back to walking mm-hmm. i mean you would never know that he had a stroke yeah. so um from your experience with the success rate um um after having a stroke um do you, does it does it is it um harder after a certain age or it doesn't matter what age. Do we see that you can recover a lot faster if you're younger, but if you're a lot older, that we see that sometimes it's a lot harder to see some success, does that matter? Yes, age has uh, plays a big factor in recovery. The older you are, the harder it's going to be to recover. However, if 
if you're in your 70s and you were running three miles every day, you ate a very healthy diet and you really didn't really have any of those big comorbidities, like you don't have diabetes or you don't have any of of um, chronic issues mm-hmm. that um, you you can you can you know recover very well but also too it all depends on the type of stroke you've had and how big it was too and how much of that brain is damaged by that stroke like there are people who have stroke they don't know that they have stroke there's a lot of time i see patients who come to the hospital and we do an image we're like well you have a new stroke but it looked like you had an old stroke here they're like i had no idea because all the symptoms that they had was maybe numbness or maybe they were weak for a little bit and um it, it quickly resolves. So, it, but if it, if it was a very very big stroke and a lot of the brain is damaged, then it may be harder. The older you are, so okay. yes, age does play a factor in how well you recover and your state of health prior to having a stroke too. At any age, also is going to play a factor in how well you you recover. If mm-hmm. you're like. 40 years old and you had a stroke and before that you were morbidly obese and you had all these issues that you didn't take care of, you can also have a difficult time um, recovering too. If you had mm-hmm. the same exact stroke as, you know, that 60 year old who was running five miles um, before was eating well and didn't really have any um, co- other comorbidities. Now, the thing is, you basically talked about that a little more as far as, you know, you know, healthy eating helps, uh, exercising helps and all that stuff, but have you come across a case where you feel like, okay, this is the, this is the case for me, or this is, or this person, because I know some people, whether it's sometimes if the person is older, and knowing you, I know you, you like older people very much, and young people, so have you come across a case where it, it got to you to the point that you're like, you know what, man, I don't know, man, if I, if I could just spin the world back around like Superman, I would do it just because that person, you feel like they deserve another hour or another day because of the way you've connected with the person one way or another. Oh my gosh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you probably feel that way about all your patients, but. Well, yes, there are those cases. There are, there are cases that breaks my heart. I remember when I was at the bedside, sometimes I used to be crying on my way home and my husband had to console me because I connected so well with the patient and that there's nothing we could do to, you know, to help them. And just like that, yeah, I've, I've, had, I've had some cases where we had, you know, we did everything that we could and we were really hopeful that they were going to get better and they didn't. And things, you know, turn out to be very, um, it, you know, they die. And then, you know, you have, you have, you have to talk to the family, you have to you know, talk to the children and be like, I'm sorry, we did everything that we could. And yeah, there, there, there are many of them. There are many of them that I've, that I've connected um, with. Um, transference, is that what it is? When is that the term you use when you put yourself in the person's shoes? Yeah. And I do that a little bit too much. And, um, you know, it takes a toll on me sometimes, but I, you know, I work with a great group of people. The doctors who I work with are amazing. My um, nurse practitioners who I work with are phenomenal. And um, whenever this happened, I usually go back. I said, what could we have done differently? Or and sometimes there's nothing you could have done differently. It's just that 
there was nothing to do. You did everything you could and there, you, you couldn't change it. So, you know, I would sit down and basically vent to them. It's like, it's very therapeutic for us. We get together, they know where I'm coming from because we're doing the same thing every day. We're seeing the same thing and we have the same experiences and but sitting down with them and venting and, you know, going over it again and going over the, you know, the situations again and, it just hearing them, having them listen to me and listening to them just, just definitely helped me out. But yeah, there are there are many cases. There are people who are very young. There are people when they come, I'm like, it, the worst is like when they look like people you know. I'm like, oh my god, she looked just like my mom, or she looked just like my aunt, or that's that 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 gets very difficult or when the family comes and they're like showing you pictures like look this is this is who they are this is what they do this is where they travel to that's the kind of music they listen to and you feel you you connect with the person and um that's um you know it's heartbreaking but when when you do meet these people and the intervention that you you did help them and they come in with a big clot and they're if they stayed home they would have died but you know you activate the interventional team they go in and they take out the clot and immediately literally immediately I've watched it happen when the patient come with complete weakness complete paralysis on one side they cannot lift up their arm it's like dead weight you go in there remove the clot it's called a thrombectomy and immediately they start moving the hand Wow. Initially, it could be weak, but by the next day, they're back to almost their normal self. So mm. that is my that is my absolute favorite thing about about taking care of stroke victims is when they come completely debilitated, you pull out that clot, and within minutes they're moving again and they walk out of the hospital. That wow. the first time I saw that, like two years ago, I cried. So, and you know, you see it over and over again. So the biggest thing I have to say to people, if you're having, I'm going to go over the stroke symptoms. If you're having stroke symptoms, you need to call 911 immediately. Because if you come in, there's a window, four and a half hours. If you come in within that window from when your symptoms start, we can give you a clot busting medication to break up that clot. We can take you to the interventional room, pull out that clot, and you can walk out of the hospital or at least go back to as close to your baseline as you were. But if you stay home, be like, oh, I'm going to sleep it off, or maybe it's going to get better. The longer you wait, the less likely, because after 24 hours, after four and a half hours, we cannot give you that clot busting medication. After 24 hours, we cannot do that thrombectomy to pull out that clot. So you end up with a giant stroke, which could mm. have been, you You may end up bedridden for the rest of your life with that weakness that never gets better. Or um, you could, come in in time and walk out the hospital. Wow, that is pretty cool. I was gonna ask, what, what what would you like to tell the audience? But I guess you basically already got in there. Hopefully the audience take this information to heart because this month we're really trying to get everybody to manage their health better because um, we have way too many people who are not educated about their health, knowing how to prevent certain things or knowing what to do to just to keep themselves on the positive side, you know, not just mentally, but physically, because mm -hmm. uh, as we go, you know, a lot of people who passed away during the pandemics because they have pre-existing condition. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you didn't have those pre-existing condition, at least even if you caught it, it wouldn't be such a problem for you. You would probably be able to beat it and able to survive through it. Anything else you wanted to point out? At some yes, Kirsten, the one question I wanted to ask, and this mm -hmm. may be helpful for our, our, our um, 
um, listeners, especially when you mentioned the windows and um, um, if you're feeling any symptoms, what are some symptoms, S simple symptoms for uh, 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 anyone that may be feeling, what would they know, what would that look like for those that don't know what a stroke is and what are some things that we can share with them um, that can at least let them know, hey, I think this is a stroke, so let me get it checked out. So what would you share with our listeners that might be some sim some um, symptoms of stroke? Okay, so let's first start with what a stroke is, right? Majority of the strokes are ischemic strokes. So the other name we have for stroke is a brain attack. And the reason why they incorporate that name brain attack is to help, you know, help people understand that it is as serious as a heart attack. You know, when you hear heart attack, you don't think, oh, that's something mild. When you're having a stroke, it's a brain attack. You need to get to the hospital immediately. So majority of the strokes are caused from a blockage in the brain, either from a blood clot or from narrowing of the blood vessel, where there's a blockage, there's a lack of circulation, and there's a lack of oxygen to the brain. So when you don't have oxygen to that brain, the brain cells start dying. So whichever function this brain cell had, you, lose, you start losing that function. As the brain cell die, you lose the function. So some of the symptoms that you would see would be weakness, usually on one side of the body, okay? Mm -hmm. Face is droopy. A lot of time people would look at their face in the mirror and one side of it is droopy. Some people first notice it when they're eating and they start drooling out of the side of their mouth. And when you ask this person to smile, like if you're a friend or a family member, you ask them to smile, they cannot they cannot smile symmetrically. Like both of the side of their face doesn't go up like this, like you're smiling. They usually go like this, okay? Only one side of the face go up and the other side is like so weak, they cannot move it up, okay? So if let's say it's happening on the right side, they can only smile like this, okay? The right arm is weak. Some people, sometimes they're holding something in their hand and they drop it, or they cannot use the hand to write, or they're walking all of a sudden, they're dragging the right foot. So weakness on one side of the body, face, arm, and leg, same side. Numbness, all of a sudden you feel numb in your face, your arm, and your leg, usually on the same side. Um, that's Those are signs of stroke. Um, so we do weakness, numbness, speech difficulties, okay? Sometimes the person's speech is slurred as if they've been drinking, as if they're drunk, or they, they're speaking gibberish. Like if they're talking to you, you ask them something, they mumble something that doesn't make any sense, or they have what they call word salad. They're saying something, they look like they're saying it correctly, but they're just making up a bunch of words that doesn't make sense to you, or you're speaking to the person they don't understand you. So speech difficulties can be slurred or gibberish speech. Um, they incorporated balance. So sometimes people get acute onset of dizziness, so dizzy they cannot walk because you're off balance and vision. So either the person lose vision on one side of their visual field or their vision become really, really blurred. So a lot of time, if it's just vision, people don't realize it because they're not losing the entire vision. They're, using, they're losing half of it, just the peripheral vision. Some people would say, oh, I couldn't see this person coming on this side or I couldn't see them coming on that side because they lose the peripheral vision on half side, on half side of both eyes. So the easiest way to remember it is this, acronym it's be fast b e f a s t so the b is for balance 
or dizziness, the E is for eye problem, vision loss or um, blurred vision. Um, the F is for um, face weakness, A, arm weakness, um, S, that's your speech difficulties, and T is for time. We put time there because it's so important. Staying home, sleeping it off, and waiting can be the difference between life and death. You come in within four hours, we give you the clot busting medication. You come in within 24 hours, you get also the um, thrombectomy and you can, your outcome can be so much more significant, so much better. It can be the difference between you going back to your baseline to you ending up in a nursing home or dying. So these are the symptoms. Um, if you go anywhere on the, um, on the internet, you put stroke symptoms, they would have, you know, these acronyms and they would have pictures. They usually do a little poster and put it on my, you know, for my parents, I'll put it on their fridge so they can realize when those symptoms happen, it's time to call 911. Don't drive to the hospital. I've seen patients come to the hospital with a stroke. They're like, oh, my left leg was weak. So I drove. I'm like, you drove there while you were having a stroke. So if you got worse, you could have, um, you know, got into an accident. Just call 911 um, and get to the hospital as soon as you can. I mean, this is vital information. We, we can we can continue on and on and on because there's so much that we can learn, Kirsten, about just about not only stroke, but how, you know, in general, how the body is affected by, you know, so much ailments and how, as you said, if you have other um, other um, il um, illnesses, whether it's diabetes, cholesterol, those can also be um, affected. Um, a stroke can be affected by these different things. And so it's so important to take care of our bodies, take care of ourselves, um, get checked up, uh, seeing a doctor, seeing a physician, reading, learning about the body. Absolutely. Uh, care of ourselves because, you know, we only have this, like you said, we have one life to live in. Um, what you eat, you yep. know, um, you know, is, is whatever you put in is what yes, you get out. That's what you get out. out. Yep. What's so important for um, all of them. The biggest thing is to know what a stroke looks like and get to the hospital. Awesome. If let's say it was a fluke, you weren't having a stroke. Okay, fine. We send you back home. But if you were having a stroke, then we can save your life. So um, just wanted to add these um, little pearls. Um, stroke is the fifth leading cause of death in the United States. Hmm. Every wow. year, about 795,000 people have a stroke. 79,000 people living here in the United States have a stroke. And about 100, I think I just checked it on the CDC, it's 162,000 people die from stroke-related causes, okay? Not necessarily die from the stroke itself. You stroke out, you die. But it could be from the stroke. It could be from if you end up paralyzed and you cannot walk or you cannot swallow, you end up with pneumonia, you end up with bed sores. There's, it's not just the stroke, it's just all these other complications that could come with the stroke mm -hmm. um, that you would have to deal with. Things that you cannot modify, risk factors for stroke that you cannot modify, your age, your gender, your race, family history, your genetics, you cannot do anything about that. However, there are things, the biggest indicators of stroke, we can modify them. And that's, for me, the biggest one is nutrition, okay? Whatever you, you put trash in, you get stroke out. Um, we recommend a Mediterranean diet, which is high in vegetables, fruits, legumes, nuts, 
fish and very minimal amount of red meat. And for the vegan and vegetarian people, you can substitute this um, protein with plant-based protein. So you can be a vegan and still follow the Mediterranean diet also, because actually majority of the Mediterranean diet is plant-based. Um, exercise, especially for us Black people, African-American people, we are more prone to having high blood pressure. So we need to check, make sure, even, even at a young age, you know, I've known 30 year old who are on blood pressure medication. So um, check your blood pressure, make sure you go to the doctor, eat well, check for diabetes, check for high cholesterol, and basically go to your doctor regularly and get that. They will check you out. As soon as you go, they'll check you out for all these risk factors and they'll give you advice to modify them and exercise, whatever, whatever form of exercise that you choose. If it's swimming, if it's walking, if it's running, you don't have to like go full on CrossFit every day. That's not what I'm talking about, but just not being sedentary. Um, my favorite is dancing. So I don't go to the gym all the time, but when I do go, I do, um, I do Zumba. Um, so if you like dancing, you can do that. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much it. And, you know, practice mindfulness, you know, don't stress yourself out because stress is a silent killer. A lot of time people are like, oh, it's just stress, but stress does have this, it doesn't just affect your mental health. It does affect you physically also, because when you're, when you're stressed out, you're in this like fight or flight mode, which release all these, you know, chemicals in your body that make your heart rate um, beat faster, brings your blood pressure up. Um, really, there's, there's so much that stress does to your body physically that we don't think about. So you need to practice mindful thinking. If that's meditation, if that's like, stop what you're doing, taking some slow deep, deep breaths and calming yourself down and remember, take, take care of yourself, water yourself, take care of your mental health, because it's not just our physical health, um, that matters. Our mental health matters too. If you have any anxiety, depression, speak to somebody and get these um, get these issues addressed because they can also have a big impact on your um, physical health. Our regular listeners would know uh, as well as far as the stress, because we had a whole episode about stress and how it affects the body. And now that you're hearing, uh, uh, she, we, we, our topic today is on stroke and uh, and she's pointing out the some of the effect uh, the body can can have with stress in addition to it you know so it's it's good that we it's, it would be a good thing for us to focus and try to see what we can do to get our body on a better shape on a daily basis um anything else you want to point out Ed, as we close out no that's that's it just want to thank you Kirsten so much for um the vital information that you shared um like I said I know we can we can pick your brain out for many hours but we definitely want to save you for another time. I'm sure that um, our listeners would want to hear from you again. Mm -hmm. um, but we do thank you and we appreciate what you do um, for all of the different um, patients that you see. And we're thankful for the success stories and for even the challenging ones. It just reminds us so much of how important life is mm -hmm. and um, whatever we can do, um, whether it's in the field that you're in, um, whether it's helping, like whatever we can do, whatever field you're in, the most important thing is we have to serve. Whatever we can do to help others, let's do it with all our heart. So yep. thank you again. Well, thank you for having me. Um, if you need me to come back, I'll be, I'll be glad to. I, I like um, 
I mean, I like helping the people when, you know, I have, I like helping stroke patients when they come in the hospital, but I would prefer for them not to come. <laughs> I would prefer for them to be healthy and not have strokes. So I do like um, the preventative measures. I do like to emphasize the preventative measures to basically reduce our risk for having strokes. Um, I think it's the National Institute for um, Neurological uh, um, Disorders and Stroke, um, based on recent studies, they see that if we actually take care of all the stuff that we can change, all the risk factors that we can change, like obesity, which eating well, if we take care of hypertension, diabetes, and um, high cholesterol, all these not smoking, all these stroke risk factors that we can do something about it. If we can, if we do them, if we um, follow these um, protocols and we, you know, we adhere to these um, modifiable risk factors, we can decrease the incidence of stroke by half mm. in the United States. So that's that's pretty impressive. Like it, it goes to tell us like how much impact that we have on our own health. It's not just oh we're we're old or we're this gender or we're we have this genetic makeup then we're doomed to have stroke. No, there's so much more we can do about we can do about it. Well, but thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, and we're trying to do our part. We have a little under ten thousand people who listen on a weekly basis, so hopefully. They will take this information, share it with the loved one, and hopefully that way the word will get around. And, you know, as, as always, we want to remind everybody, uh, I am remarkably made. You are remarkably made. We're all remarkably made. And therefore, it's worth living. Mm -hmm.